0: Opinions heard in the preceding program are those of the host and guests and not necessarily those of Cumulus Media or WJR Radio.
1: Good evening, you're listening to the Mackinac and Michigan show on WJR. I'm Kelly Cobb, joined by Jarrett Skorup of the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. This show is brought to you by the Mackinac Center's Frank Beckman Center for Journalism. You can learn how we provide citizens with news to expose government overreach and abuse at frankbeckmancenterforjournalism.com. Well, the Democrats won control of the House, Senate, and Governor's office here in Michigan, and the first thing on their agenda appears to be repealing right to work, the ability for workers to opt out of paying union dues as a condition of having a job. We've got a great show focused on right to work here in Michigan, starting with UAW worker advocate and Ford employee, Terry Bowman. Mike LeBay from the Mackinac Center will highlight what right to work has done to grow our economy in Michigan. The former lieutenant governor and now head of the Small Business Association, Brian Calley, comes on to discuss the impact of right to work on small businesses and his time in the state legislature pushing for right to work's passage. And Professor Mike Tom from University of Southern California, but a Michigan native, will outline a fascinating new poll he's conducted on right to work. We'll be back after a brief break with more of the Mackinac Michigan show here on WJR. the Mackinac Michigan show brought to you by the Mackinac Center's Frank Beckman Center for Journalism here on WJR. I'm Kelly Cobb. I'm Jaris Cora. And we're giving away a free window decal today, a small white sticker shaped like Michigan. Slap it on the bumper of your car, your water bottle, what have you. Get creative. Just shoot us a text WJR to 50155. We will drop one in the mail for you. So to kick off our show on Right to Work today and its impact on Michigan uh, and what it would mean if it got repealed by the Democrats, we've got our first guest, Terry Bowman. He's a Ford worker, uh, and he has been involved in this fight for 10 plus years uh, now that Right to Work has been enacted in Michigan. Terry, welcome to the show.
2: Well, it's a pleasure to be here with both of you. Uh, It's an honor and uh, love talking to anyone from Mackinac, Michigan. So glad to be here and looking forward to talking about this critical issue for Michigan's private sector workers.
1: Thanks, Terry. So just you're our one worker advocate. Uh, on the on the show today talking about right to work. And I just wanted to get start off with just your perspective. I mean, you were one of the loudest voices of union workers who were frustrated with unions and the power and the money that they had back over your life uh, before right to work was passed in 2012. What did you see back then? What drove you to get involved in this and become an advocate for worker freedom and for ultimately for right to work to pass?
2: Well, my biggest issue back then, uh, and it still is an issue today, is the fact that unions uh, – when I say unions, let me make it clear, because some people don't do this. When I say unions, I'm talking about the decisions made by union officials. I'm not talking about rank and file. You can separate the two. So I can criticize, and I do criticize, union officials who do not want to be held answerable and accountable to the membership and to the regular rank and file. So uh, the big issue for me back then was the fact that unions were using my union dues to support and push a political and social agenda that I completely disagreed with. I started an organization called Union Conservatives where there was all kinds of union members who joined up with me. And uh, we fought this battle, and I can't believe we're back here again a decade later making the same arguments of why workers deserve freedom in the workplace.
3: So, Terry, you know, Michigan became a right-to-work state almost exactly 10 years to the day. Yeah. Um, the, you talked about some of the arguments. You, you obviously were supportive of that bill. One of the things when uh, some of the workers that were UAW back then were, it was talking about they support political candidates that I don't support, they support social issues um, or economic issues that I don't support, um, but the other end was just, uh, do you feel a bit of justification just in the sense of what we've seen happening with the UAW the last couple of years? Obviously, a long federal investigation, a lot of mm-hmm. those union officials and leaders who were using dues money inappropriately. Do you feel some vindication there? How does that help or hurt your argument against uh, for or against right to work?
2: Well, of course, um, you know, when I'm thinking about this issue and how I'm going to address it with everybody, I have three big focus items that I want to focus on. And you just mentioned the first one. You know, after 10 years of Michigan's private sector workers enjoying the additional rights, freedoms and protections that we received from Michigan's right to work law, a new legislature wants to strip it away from all of us workers and i have to ask the question why why would they want to do it obviously it is not to benefit workers the regular rank and file it's very clear to me it's to reward union officials who don't want to be held answerable and accountable and by the way it's pretty convenient that those same officials control the purse strings uh, doesn't it funded by workers dues and as you said in my case What this new legislature has said that they want to do is to force me again to support financially this union who is coming off a five to six year federal corruption investigation. And to me, I just find that reprehensible.
1: Terry, I'm wondering how right to work has impacted your life in a, just in a realistic way, right? Like a lot of people who aren't union members view this issue kind of theoretically. Um, but, uh, you know, you, obviously you have more money in your paycheck that's not going into union coffers. Um, but aside from that, what are some things that are, that are tangible reasons why the average person who might have the option to join the union or opt out of the union under today's law, what are the benefits of opting out that you have found in your life?
2: Well, it's quite simple. You know, um, there is a moral part of this. And, you know, I always say that we come to this fight on on behalf of workers, and we always have the high ground on this issue. Uh, We have the moral high ground, which means that no person should be forced to pay dues to an outside third party in order to keep a job, especially when that third party promotes, as we said, the political and social agendas that uh, we may have strong objections to. So that part of it is, is very, very important. We have the freedom high ground. You know, um, if, they, if they repeal Michigan's right-to-work law, um, they're going to take away an individual worker's freedom of expression and freedom to associate or, conversely, the freedom to not associate. So uh, the benefits for right-to-work all come to me. Uh, of course, I don't pay the union dues each month. Um, I cannot support an organization that supports the political and social agendas, and why should I have to in order to keep a job at a company that I have uh, aunts and uncles and my father worked at and I have siblings that worked at? We have a long history my family working for Ford Motor Company, and consequently uh, none of my relatives, my ancestors, ever got to vote whether or not they wanted to be unionized either. The UAW has been entrenched and in place for almost 100 years now, and uh, there's no chance for us to say, you know what, we don't want to be a part of the union unless we have a right to work law.
1: Terry Bowman, a Ford worker and a longtime advocate for worker freedom and for right to work, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate your perspective uh, and what you've done there. Thank you, Terry. Gentlemen, hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Terry. And we will be back after a brief break with more of the Mackinac Michigan show here on WJR. Welcome back to the Mackinac Michigan show brought to you by the Mackinac Center's Frank Beckman Center for Journalism here on WJR. I'm Kelly Cobb. I'm Jared Scora. And once again, we're giving away a free window decal, a small white sticker of Michigan, Uh, Just shoot us a text WJR to 50155 and we will mail one out to you. We're going to continue our conversation about right to work in Michigan and what it would look like if the Democrats who are taking control of the state repeal that law. Next up, we have Mike LaFave at the Mackinac Center. He has done an enormous amount of research on this issue over the years. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, I've seen a lot of stories coming out recently as this conversation's been having in the media, and they all seem to say, eh, you know, like, if right to work is repealed, you know, there's the research is a mixed bag on it. We don't know if it really helped or hurt the state or anything. You know, it's all kind of muckety-muck. Not really a good reason to repeal a law, in my personal opinion. <laughs> but um, what does your research say? What has the impact of right to work been on Michigan over the past 10 years?
4: We have looked at this in exquisite detail, We collected data on 3,000 counties in the United States to isolate the impact of right-to-work laws. For the state of Michigan, we found that adoption of right-to-work has resulted in an increase in the share of employment in industries like manufacturing, construction, utilities, and information, and sometimes by a wide margin. For instance, uh, nationwide, after 2000, we found that the states who adopted right-to-work laws, the six of them, um, saw an increase in manufacturing share of employment of 21 percent. For Michigan and Indiana, that was as high as 26 and 27 percent, respectively.
3: So you're, you, you know, you have you've got these economic effects um, in terms of more employment, especially in that manufacturing area. One of the things we we see occasionally on um, the last couple of years, a, th- a big thing for Governor Whitmer has been these big incentive programs, and that's been passed by lawmakers on, on both sides. And we'll we'll ignore whether that's a good idea or not for the second. But one of the key things of that is this is what large companies, large manufacturers want in order to move into, this, into a state. Um, have you seen anything in terms of some of these larger companies and how they would feel about whether a state has a right to work law or not?
4: Well, I've actually seen research years ago that tracked the movement of Fortune 500 companies across the border. And overwhelmingly, they chose, when they did choose to move their headquarters, to move to -to right-to-work states. But it's not just the big ones. Small ones are crossing borders, too. I profiled an Ohio manufacturing concern owned by Angela Phillips, who, she said, explicitly chose Indiana as a place to expand her business. Mm because she had heard about the right to work law and the greater flexibility it provided her to help her employees win as much as she wanted to win in the manufacturing business.
3: What has the economic effects been um, in Michigan over the last 10 years? Um, Are we better off than we were when the right to work law went through? Are we doing worse? How do you look at it broadly? Well, I
1: think
4: our study clearly shows that they're doing better. And we looked at employment specifically. But there was a Harvard study done just last year that used our same methodology and used some different controls to try to isolate the impact of the right-to-work variable. And they went further in their study to look at the pluses from states who have adopted right-to-work laws. And they said that states that have adopted right-to-work have 1.6 percentage point higher employment. They had 1.4% higher labor force participation, and they also found that locations with right to work have higher population growth and more inbound commuters, mm. as well as lower childhood poverty rates and greater upward mobility. As you said at the beginning of this interview, results are mixed in terms of the academic literature, but I think they overwhelmingly show more positive results than no or negative results.
1: Yeah, it seems like there's there's really no harm here. So what's the point of repealing the law? But um, what about on 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 other variables like income? Uh, I mean, has it had any any noticeable impact on that, or, or is that you know union dues Are those kind of just extra disposable income for people who who are workers who opt out of the union? Have we seen any anything on wage growth or anything in that area?
4: Wage and wage growth have been a subject of interest for academics. And like we've already said twice, there is a mix in the literature. Mm -hmm. If you look at Robert Reed's study where he controls for initial economic conditions, he finds that being on the right-to-work side of a state border means a 6% wage increase over non-right-to-work colleagues. Uh, Other scholars have found a, a smaller gap. And in terms of wage growth, the Mackinac Center has done a great study on this. We published it in 2013, and we looked at a 64-year sweep of history involving right-to-work states and non-right-to-work states. And we found a 0.8 percentage points bump in personal income growth. And that might not sound like much, but if your growth is going to be 2%, and adopting right-to-work laws meant a bump of 0.8 percentage points to 2.8, you're looking at a 40% difference in wage growth. That is a huge difference.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, at the end of the day, if, if workers think that unions are going to be good for wages and jobs and the economy and everything else, great. They they can choose to to be in a union, pay dues to a union. Yeah. Um, You know, the question here is whether we remove that choice or not as a state.
1: I'm I'm wondering, too, Mike, that that
4: is a big choice. This is about uh, private association between consenting adults, uh, economic freedom at the individual level.
1: Mike, what's the what's the flip side of the coin here? I mean, is there any prediction as to what might have we've we've just talked through sort of the benefits of having right to work? Is there any way to predict what will happen if. If right to work is repealed in Michigan, and you know, are we gonna are we gonna lose the growth that we've had in manufacturing and on other other industrial areas, in terms of uh, wage gains potentially, are we gonna lose out to other states in the South where we're already competing? Like Jarrett already kind of walked through some of that. We're competing for battery plants and all these incentives that we're putting out for companies to come here. What what are some of the downsides that that the democrats at least are not talking about with regard to repealing right to work
4: two quick points one on manufacturing employment and the other one on population growth we saw in our research that even in a region where there was not a net gain in manufacturing employment there was an unambiguous realignment Away from non-right-to-work states to right-to-work states like Michigan and Indiana. So while we found a 26 and 27 percent gain in share for Michigan and Indiana, Ohio we found saw a decline in employment share of 30 percent.
3: And Ohio is a non-right-to-work state, so
1: right? Right.
4: Uh, yeah, that's right, a non-right-to-work state. The other the other item on population is that we found that there is an untold story of American migration away from non-right-to-work states and toward right-to-work states. And that's probably not a coincidence due to, say, just sunshine leading people to move to warmer states where they have right-to-work laws. Scholars have controlled for such things and found still there is an overwhelming movement to states with right-to-work laws. That's important for Michigan because we endured basically a decade of lost population growth. And just last year, the Census Bureau said we've resumed our net population losses. Reversing right-to-work means we could end up back in the net loss uh, population for uh, our state once again.
1: Well, that wouldn't be very good, would it? Uh, Mike LaFave with the Mackinac Center, I appreciate you coming on the show today and outlining the benefits that your research has found of right to work here in Michigan uh, as we hit the 10-year mark of the law being in place here. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back again after a brief break with more of the Mackinac and Michigan show here on WJR. Welcome back to the Mackinac and Michigan Show, brought to you by the Mackinac Center's Frank Beckman Center for Journalism here on WJR. I'm Kelly Cobb. I'm Jared Cora. And once again, we're giving away a free window decal today—a small white sticker shaped like Michigan. Just shoot us a text. WJR to five zero one five five, and we will mail one out to you. Our next guest is the former lieutenant governor of Michigan. Actually, was the lieutenant governor when Right to Work was passed into law ten years ago. Uh, he's now the president and CEO of the Small Business Association of Michigan. Brian Kelly joins the program. Brian, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks. Great. Thanks for having me on the show, and thanks for bringing up the uh, the. Great memories of all the things that happened over the last ten years, including <laughs> right to work passing. I presided as president of the Senate actually over that session. That was a pretty exciting time.
1: Wow that that must be that must have been a great memory. Um, and and yet now it looks like it might be on the chopping block in the new year with the Democrats controlling. Um, I'm wondering first, you know, a lot of people when they think about. Unionization and right to work, they think of big companies, right? Maybe especially here in Metro Detroit, you got the UAW, you got auto workers, but it's important for small businesses too. And I don't think a lot of people consider that. What's the importance of right to work on small businesses in Michigan?
0: Yeah, there's a few things to keep in mind. First is that um, when it comes to the government getting in between the employer employee relationship, it's not good. It it brings in inefficiencies. It uh, it locks things. It it, uh, it it closes off the opportunities for innovation and flexibility. It adds costs. And it and unionization is not just something that uh, has an impact on bigger businesses. It affects businesses of all sizes. But what I'm really concerned in the in the shorter term, if the state were to go back to those lost decade policies that uh, that were so horrible for our economy in the past it's uh it's that you know overall the um just it'll send a message to investors of all sizes all across the country that in michigan that we'd be going backward instead of the type of forward progress that has characterized our state in the uh, previous decade
1: yeah
3: brian when, when you were obviously you were a lawmaker, so you debated this before it came into place, and then the mm-hmm. lieutenant governor. What was the reasoning, um, just from your perspective, on, on why Michigan should pass the right-to-work law in the first place? I, th- I think I know you were you were instrumental behind the scenes into bringing that on. What were you hearing from businesses? What What were your personal feelings that went into that?
0: It's actually a pro-worker policy, and I think that's something that sometimes gets lost in this, is that it's not— a pro-business policy; it's a pro-worker policy, mm. and to me, pro-worker policies are, are great for business. And in this case, it puts the worker in the driver's seat. They're the ones who get to decide who they uh, they associate with. They're the ones who decide what organizations they join and when they, who they pay dues to. The the problem with uh, with the Michigan policy before right to work is that workers as a condition of employment, in many cases, had to join or pay a union. And it didn't matter whether or not that organization was representing their interests. It didn't matter if they were representing the, uh, the best interests of the, of the employee. There was no accountability because the employee literally, legally, could not have the job unless they were making payments to the union. And so by putting the employee in charge... It really did create an environment. I, I would argue that it really saved unions because, uh, because when you have an organization that doesn't have to satisfy its members and its members are forced to, uh, to, to make payments even if they're not satisfied, you get stagnation and, um, and lower performance. It's just the way that it works. And so I would argue that, you know, there's been a – over the course of, of, uh, of years since Right to Work passed – there's been a lot of accountability that is brought to unions by the members themselves, and I would argue that they do a better job today at representing those who choose to join the, the unions than they did before right to work. But they had to because they have now. They have to make the case. Anybody, any group of workers can form a union, and any worker can decide if they want to, uh, if they want to join and, and uh, make payments to a union to represent them but nobody is forced and that's I think the beauty of the policy that exists today
3: yeah I, I think about that for your, your with your position with small business Association of Michigan I mean you're you're a representative for your members for for these businesses but nobody can be forced to to join, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it would make your job easier in some sense if the state legislature said, "Hey, this group does—they advocate for businesses. We're going to make every business join and be a member and pay dues to the to SBAM," and it would be good for you. But I don't think it would be good for you in the long run if you you could count on that. And I, and I just don't think it would be fair. I mean, there are businesses that that are out there that would say, "Hey, they're pushing a policy I disagree with." And we all kind of recognize that, yet we don't recognize it in this one area of when somebody joins um, a unionized workforce. Um, so I've, it's always yeah, been that, an interesting analogy. Yeah, that's a great analogy.
0: point, because it would, it would be absolutely outrageous for the government to tell people, in almost any circumstance, you must join this organization, or else you're not allowed to make a living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, and, and yet, in the case of pre-right-to-work days, that was the scenario that existed here. And so I think it, it is really, really important that people understand as this debate unfolds that it's not right to work does not put any limitations on workers' abilities to organize and uh, and unionize. That is absolutely still their, uh, their right, and it mm-hmm. should always be their right. All this uh, right to work says is that you cannot say to any particular employee, as a condition of your employment, you must Pay a union to represent you, mm-hmm, right. and uh, and so we're 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 better off. And I think that uh, that you know there's been a lot of house cleaning that has happened in unions since Right to Work passed. And I, I would argue that that you know they're better off because of it.
1: Yeah, that's probably quite true. Um, I'm thinking back to you know when this debate was happened ten years ago. You were in the legislature. You presided over this as lieutenant governor. Its passage. Uh, you probably know more than most the politics of this issue what, you know, What is the reason the Democrats are putting this on the chopping block? I mean, give it give it to some Republicans and some Republicans. Give it to us straight, because we just talked through the research. The research shows some some issues, some parts of this is a mixed bag. But on the whole, there's a lot of benefits that have happened to the economy, let alone the benefits just for individual people deciding what's best for them. Why are Democrats making this the number one thing that they want to do when they take over the legislature and keep the governor's office in January?
0: It's a special interest play. I, I don't know how else to put it. And the, <laughs> the problem in the terms of the politics is that it's kind of easily um, hidden as a pro-worker type of a message mm-hmm. because they, they like to act like it with with right to work that people can't unionize. So they say, well, we think people ought to be able to unionize, therefore you got to get right, uh, rid of right, right to work. And that's just a false argument, but it's one that— seems to get fluidly made um, over and over again. So um, I, I think it is just a, uh, you know, it's an important, unions are an important constituency to the Democratic Party. And so, um, you know, naturally they, they're looking to uh, to line up their agenda with that constituency. But in the end, I'm hopeful that, that um, people will really fall back on the pro-worker stance, which is to say, you know what, I think every individual worker ought to be able to decide for themselves whether or not they join a union.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't see this as anything but a play like that and 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 a payoff, essentially, um, for a lot of Democrats. I'm surprised that there are some Republicans that are going along with that, too. But um, but I guess uh, that's that's the way it rolls. Um any other thoughts on on uh, just as we wrap up on the importance of this for small businesses here in Michigan uh, and and what you guys might be doing in the small Business Association?
0: Well, one thing I wanted to point out is that there's actually a couple of other labor reforms that passed around the same time so banning project labor agreements mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. also uh, ending uh, the prevailing wage law which requires that government contracts pay, Union wages on their um, on their contracts. Mm. Basically, in both of these cases, those policies are a small business need not apply policy. Yes. They're anti small yeah. business because what they what prevailing wage and project labor agreements do is they say unless you're unionized or if you or unless you operate as a union, uh, what a union shop would operate, you can't get government contracts. And so the idea of blocking or eliminating uh, the ability of small businesses to uh, to compete and win on government um, government work, government contracts, I think is very uh, unfair, uncompetitive, and results in higher cost to the taxpayer. So, right to work is important, but there's uh, there's really a whole landscape that I think we have to pay close attention to.
1: Brian Kelly, we got to leave it there. Former lieutenant governor and now the president and CEO of the Small Business Association of Michigan. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And we'll be back after a brief break with more of the Mackinac Michigan Show here on WJR. Welcome back to the Mackinac Michigan Show, brought to you by the Mackinac Center's Frank Beckman Center for Journalism here on WJR. I'm Kelly Cobb. I'm Jaris Koruk. And once again, giving away a free window sticker today, a small white sticker shaped like Michigan. Just shoot a text to us, WJR to the number 50155. We will drop one in the mail for you. Uh, We're going to wrap up our conversation on Right to Work today with an interesting new poll that's come out. We've got Dr. Mike Tom from the University of Southern California on the line. Uh, But he grew up in Michigan and went Mm -hmm. to Michigan State University, so he's got a lot of ties here back to the state. But he recently did a poll on right to work in Michigan, and he joins us now. Welcome to the show.
5: Thank you for having me on.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, your poll came out like a couple of weeks ago now, uh, right on the cusp of the Democrats taking over the House, the Senate, and the governor's mansion and putting right to work on the chopping block in Michigan. Where do voters stand in the poll that you've done on right to work in Michigan?
5: Well, we found that 60 percent of the adults favored the right to work law. This support was pretty consistent across different groups. We saw support from men and women, uh, from different age groups, from Republicans and Democrats, and maybe most interesting from union and non-union health.
1: That that one is interesting. Was there any spread between unions and non-union households?
5: There was some difference, but I don't know that it was, for example, statistically significant. Mm-hmm. Union households had slightly less levels of support, but still over fifty
1: percent. Still a majority.
3: Yeah. So the, the the poll, yeah, we're we're talking about the sixty percent in in support and the seventy seventeen percent opposition. Obviously, good chunk of people that that didn't have an opinion. Um, I had done a story this week, uh, Mike, about kind of looking at the history of polling on the right-to-work issue. Basically, every poll we have over the last 20 years, almost all of them uh, showed support, pretty much lined up with, with what you were looking at. Um, is there anything that you can tell from the poll in terms of like, what happens politically? You know, I, I'm always a little skeptical sometimes on polling. Could you tell anything about how strong... People felt about this, or what what happens, or is this kind of this is just giving us kind of a snapshot of, of how they they feel about the issue. I know you had a little bit of a description in there for people.
5: Yeah, I think this probably just gauges general support, not necessarily the strength of support mm-hmm. or opposition, as far as that goes. Right.
3: Yeah. So, for example, if you know, it, it tells us a good idea about how feel how people are feeling about it right now. You didn't have any type of association with. What if Republicans push to keep the law and Democrats repeal it? Um, but I, I did find it interesting. Yeah, you had about two to one support among the union households. Um, and did you feel like you know it was a, it was a good description of the law? Um, you know that that was fairly done and and all that. I mean, it's fairly simple, but obviously, it can there's a lot of connotations with the, with the term right to work.
5: Yeah, it's definitely contentious, but this poll question that we had, I think did a pretty good job describing what right-to-work was, and also that there could be um, this issue of of people still working in jobs covered by a union but not paying dues, Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. the so-called free riders. So even telling people about the possibility of free riders, 60% still said they support the law. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's fascinating, going back to what you just said, that this is a higher support level than the polls that were done right after the law was passed in 2012. I mean, they they had 54 percent support, 51 percent support. Mm -hmm. So support for right to work has grown over the past 10 years here in Michigan, um, up to now 60 percent in this poll or 62 percent. Yeah. well, and,
3: And one of the things a lot of people don't realize was this the Michigan right to work law passed shortly after a ballot proposal Failed that was mm-hmm. funded by unions, and a key driver of that, from their standpoint, was we are doing this to block right to work being put in place. And I bring that up, um, Mike, just because you know there's all kinds of polling where if people don't have a really strong opinion about something, like yeah, they'll they'll give it in a poll, but that doesn't mean it's going to change their vote or their behavior. But the law went into place after we had. Sixty million dollars of of spending, right. talking about this debate over do you want a right to work law or not? Do you want to protect collective bargain agreement in the Constitution or not? And it, it that uh that failed fifty eight percent forty two. So basically, it failed at blocking a right to work law. And I've just been amazed, kind of the remarkable consistency, sitting right around sixty percent support for right to work for 10, 12 years
1: now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating. One of the interesting things I I found in the poll was um, one of the only sort of outliers, Mike, that I saw on the numbers front was young voters, 18 to 29. There was 54 percent support. So that's still a majority, to be clear. But then the other age brackets were more in in the 60, low 60 margin there. Does that tell you anything aside from the fact that maybe younger voters – Uh, trend more liberal in their voting preferences, or is there something out there in terms of how they view right to work um, that you could take a stab in the dark at at trying to identify why that might be a gap there?
5: I think it could be their underlying politics, which would tend to be more left of center. Mm -hmm. But I think that age group is going to have uh, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds who have never had a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And are just uh, less familiar with union issues in the workplace
1: yeah yeah it's it's quite that it's just quite that simple that they haven't had that experience there mike what what you've followed this issue for a long time uh what other research or thoughts do you have on right to work and its importance here in michigan i mean there there as the democrats take over and some republicans uh now talking about repealing the law uh is there anything that you would have to say any message that you would have to say about uh what it might have done for our state over the past 10 years
5: well, I can't speak to that necessarily based on the poll, but clearly nothing terrible if 60% of Michiganders support the law. <laughs> the doom and gloom that was predicted 10 years ago apparently didn't come to pass.
3: Or yeah, at least the very least they're not connecting anything negative with with that law going into place.
1: And we haven't seen right. union membership decline substantially or anything as a result of this either, right? I mean, we've saw some declines, but some people are still opting into unions. They just have a freedom to choose that.
3: Yeah, we we right. had a report this week, so it, it's about 140,000 people who've left their unions. Um, that's probably 20 25 percent um, since the law went into place. Um, I mean, I would say, yeah. On the one hand, the majority of people are are choosing to remain with their with their unions. Um, on the other hand, 140,000 people um, getting a law forcing many of them back into union uh, dues, fees, membership is is a pretty big, large amount of people. Yeah,
1: it's a lot to fill the coffers. (laughs) That times the membership dues. Uh Dr. Mike Tom, we appreciate it uh, from the University of Southern California for coming on the show today and highlighting this new poll that you can find uh the Mackinac Center's website at Mackinac.org. Thanks for coming on the show, Mike. Thank you for having me. And that's all the time we've got for tonight. You can check out this show and all our others by heading to Frank Beckman Center for Journalism.com or greatvoice.com. Thanks for tuning into the Mackinac Michigan Show here on WJL. Thank you, Mike. That was great. You're welcome.
0: Opinions heard in the preceding program are those of the host and guests and not necessarily those of Cumulus Media or WJR Radio.